You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello and welcome to the Noise Direction podcast, a music industry podcast where people who spend too much time on punk talk about how you can spend too much time on punk. Um, I have I'm not yet spent too much time on punk. I'm, I'm how, Matt Bacon here with my beautiful co-host, Scotty Heath, I'm, owner of Tank. I'm Scotty. I'm your co-host. <laughs> what up? So, um, Ep- real quick episode three man celebration like i episode said three. most yeah po- most podcasts never make it past a good idea that doesn't get recorded now we've recorded two episodes on schedule on schedule for three hats off to my co-host because you're really making this shit happen for us and i appreciate the hell out of it i appreciate you being willing to record I- this half an hour early today yeah, we, we we know how to adjust. Uh, the show must go on, right? That's the lesson of this show. Sometimes you got to get up. Sometimes you got to set your alarm 25 minutes earlier to, to record the gig. <laughs> no further comment. Um, the part point two. being. Yes, the point Let's being. Let's do a part seven two. part episode one day. We're not doing a seven Let's part constantly episode. talk over each other in this episode. <laughs> Welcome so back. Yeah, what we're talking about on today's episode is the Necrot campaign. We started talking about sort of the buildup uh, on last week's episode, and that was really fun. You know, a lot of a lot of reminiscing going on over here. And so, what and I being able to-, to change, move on your feet, yeah, and just giving away game, dude. Like, please, like, steal my ideas. Like, take exactly yeah. if 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 I tell you something or Maddie tells you something, and you think it sounds good fucking take it take it right from me put sprinkle your own little sauce on it or don't just straight jacket i don't care i i want these things work and if other people use them it, they're not they're not uh finite good ideas they're infinite you can use them and then yeah. i can also still use them and we can all succeed and we can build on each other is kind of the thing right is like Ooh, i, I like can that build on, i can build on you you can build on me you know what i mean mm-hmm um, you know, cause like sometime I've seen it happen where I had a good idea and I did it. And then someone took that same idea and made a slight twist that I thought was kind of cool. And then I took their twist and made it into my thing and made it cooler. You know what I, you know, like, or even someone else took their, you know, maybe I didn't have the vision, but someone else had the vision, you know, like, like it's a chain. I love it. Yeah. You know what I, I mean? It. Cause it's like. You know, but it's because the way I always describe it is it's like the same way music evolves, right? Like music evolves from you had a good idea that I borrowed. And then and the next guy borrows my good idea. And we just keep like borrowing from each other until everyone's happy. (laughs) Until we implode. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So build off this. So, um, 
So where do we start? Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. This so we were talking I about. Start. Yeah, we wanted to talk about. We basically we laid the groundwork on the last episode. So if you haven't heard it, go listen to it. Um, Noise Direction Part One, or part, uh, Noise Direction Episode Two, Necrot Release Part One. Got it. Uh, yeah, and we're so, building a web page. We're building. Marky's yes. got a web web page for us. Hopefully, maybe I'll try to make it a goal. So when this episode launches on Monday, maybe we'll have that up. I think I'm going to buy a URL too. The point being, um, so we so we talked about all that shit. So now what we want, what, what Scotty and I want to talk about is the two weeks leading up, and then post release, and then how one of our proudest accomplishments came af- a week after the release. Yes. So Scotty, take it away. So here's some really good, uh, here's some more good social media game. Okay. And, and I'm actually going to use this exact same method with future releases and not even change anything what I did. So what I did with Necrot was two weeks before the actual announcement of the record, like the two weeks before we released the album cover, the track list, the title, the debut single and the pre-orders. I got out a piece of paper and I took the band's entire career from the very first rehearsal all the way in every tour and everything they did in between all the way up till being in the studio recording the new album. And I broke that into 14 chapters. That was one post a day for two weeks. And I did a countdown. So like the very first post was like the guys in the practice space, like very early pre first demo. And went from there and I numbered them backwards. So by like the third day, people are catching on that we're counting down to something. Now, not only was this, we, I talked last week is sometimes you just need an idea. Uh, you don't need to have a purpose on social media, but sometimes that'll keep yourself more excited about posting. And this is a really easy way because it's all stuff that already happened. And a lot of these photos, you can just already dig out of your own social media, because these were like key points, you know, like you've probably got the tour uh, pics and flyer already saved in your phone. You just got to dig it out. So when I came up with this idea, I didn't realize I was also doing something that was crucial to Matt's job uh, getting the ads out there. And that was all the engagement we were getting because once people figured out that it was like a countdown to something and most people knew it was probably the countdown to the new album. Um, I mean, people are chiming in every day, just even people chiming in like, hurry up, hurry up. Or I was there, you know, people, um, people like memories, you know? And uh, if they were there, if fans were there with you, they're stoked to see that stuff too. And um, so Maddie, by building that two whole weeks of engagement and having that nonstop barrage of posts, then we start running ads on day one of the announcement. And how did I set you up there for that lateral for you to dunk it? So this is where it's cool is so much of what works with ads is what's called retargeting, right? So it's essentially this concept of, Yes, I can go run ads all day for um, for Necrot, Cannibal Corpse, and Obituary and Morbid Angel fans or whatever. And that's going to work. 
But the most valuable audience I have is the people who I already know give a shit about Necrot. You know what I mean? So this is the people who've already been engaging with the page, right? Because think about who you're more likely to buy from. A band who looks sick, but you don't really follow. Or a band who like their socials, you're, you're on fairly regularly talking to people. Right? And the thing is, usually you're gonna, you know, usually the, the buyers are the people already engaging with your socials. So suddenly if you have like a high amount of people engaging on your socials, that's a super valuable audience you can turn around and target in the future. Right. Which is part of why like, it's so hard to do an ad campaign for a band where like they don't really post on social except around album releases because so much of like what's valuable around album around doing socials year round is like, you have all this data we can use. And so the way Scotty set it up meant we had a fuckload of data which made it super, super easy because when I went in and did my retargeting, what happened? Well, all those of... people were just waiting, dude. They were, they were engaging with us every single day. They wanted that buy link so bad. They wanted that listen link. Those yeah. were our people. Yeah. We knew, we knew they were already going to click. Yes. You know what I mean? So that's like sort of the thing It's like, Oh shit. If we already know, you're like on board and it's so and, and so if we would have if we would have been you know because here's here's the thing someone might argue and and be wrong but but this idea may hold weight with some people oh no we're gonna stay media dark until boom you know and that might feel um like it's gonna have more weight to it or something like that but that's the thing. If you've been dark up until the announcement, you're announcing to far fewer people and it's, it's not, so it's not helping, you know? Um, yeah. So you have to gauge your popularity. Are we big enough to be social media dark? And then that, you know, people's phones are going to explode when we announce something. And yeah. And it's like, you know, and then there's different ways to do it. Cause like, you know, you do have to realize like your date, like the Facebook keeps the data for um, a year, right? So like there are people who've definitely gone dark for like a month, but usually those were already pretty big people. Like I hate, I hate, I feel obligated to point that stuff out so people can have a full understanding, but I hate doing it because if I give an inch, you take a mile, you know? Oh yeah. Like, well, I, uh, then Maddie said that uh, fucking, you know, Ice Cube didn't post anything before he released his new single and then it went platinum. Yeah, but he has so much data to already draw from, right? Like Necrot weren't posting a ton. Like they needed to, you know, so having like a data well is incredibly goddamn helpful. You know what I mean? So that was a very big very helpful step. So that right? is game right there. That is and we game actually, right there. And we actually, and even after that, I just want to point this out. Even after that, we were running ads just for engagements, just to get more people checking out. Oh yeah. I'm really glad you brought that up. You know, like, that... like it wasn't like, like Scotty did a lot and it was cool, but it wasn't everything, you know, like we ended up doing even more and it was cool because, you know, in particular in Necrot's case, it's like, Oh, well there's all these people who's who like 
you know, like sort of like the death metal dads. Like I have a cousin who's like 55, 56 and really into Necrot because he saw them opening for obituary. You know, and he's and that's like Yeah, and you catch an old guy like that and they're like, yeah. Oh shit, like there's 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 new jacks in town who are doing it the way I love and remember. Awesome. Yeah. Like there's hope for exactly. The and so like I can capture that audience for retargeting later, right? Because like so much of your like eighty percent of your sales or something crazy like that will come from retargeting in most cases. Unless you know, up until the point that you're um, you know, up up until the point that you're like really big until you're ice cube. And then you can sort of yeah. just feel like, I don't know why I chose Ice Cube as our guy, but he's he's quite popular. So <laughs> Yeah, but you know, like um, like at that point it's a little different. But like even then, retargeting like for fucking physical sales is so hard. So like of course it works for that's what Ice Cube does. You know. And I wanted to go back to what you'd said in, in case the listeners missed this. We did like a whole month of ads. Like we explained in episode one how the rollout went from a one-month rollout to a three month rollout because of the pandemic the first like five weeks of ads it wasn't even a buy link we we shifted like halfway through remember the first yeah the first like month was just to get people to listen to the single and and click and comment and like so we could retarget them when i was ready to to really bring home the buy link because that was also because we had to make the rollout longer from the pandemic um, I made the pre-orders available because people wanted to buy them, but I didn't really, we talked about the mood last time of the pandemic. Yeah. While we were selling fucking thousands of records, I still didn't want to, to say spend money. Now all our ads were listen to this sick shit, make up your own mind, you know? Yeah. Get your um, face melted and- the fuck off <laughs> by Luca and the gang. Yeah, and that was Necrot, Luca and the gang. Luca and the Necrots. You know my death, you know my death metal name, Scotty Necrotti. Remember that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh so, okay. so then so we get to the release. So we do this 14-day countdown and then we click pre-orders. And now um something that a lot of labels do now and are having a lot of success with is um well something that's totally changed in the record game is having like seven different color vinyl variants for one single pressing of the record that is pretty new um you know to do like that much you know cannibal Uh, is doing 18 variants just further yeah that's insane like you used to do first press black vinyl and then if you got a second press you did the whole second press on like red vinyl and then each pressing got like a different color. Then it moved to like, oh, we'll do 100 on color of the first press and the rest are on black. And now we've gone all the way to 10 vinyl variants all available. But what labels are doing and bands are doing and that that uh, Cannibal Corpse is a, the new Cannibal Corpse is a great example is you're doing exclusive with each thing. So you'll look and like a like a color vinyl is regional or for a certain outlet you know you you're you're teaming up with a with a store or a distro or now even a publication um so many people in 
our space that weren't actually selling music before, but were maybe promoting it. Like everyone's opening a distro. And I don't know if that's going to keep up or if that was a pandemic thing. Um, but whatever, it's cool. So, but what happened with us? So this is the first time uh, that I'm doing, I'm attempting this, right? So I have allotted in the first press, like 300 Europe exclusive, uh, you know, 300 indie retail exclusive, uh, you know, 500 Necrop Bandcamp exclusive, 200 Tank Crimes Band, you know, and on and on. We, I split it all up like that. I like that idea. And what fucking happens is on day one, we put up the pre-orders and the ones that I've already allotted, like Tank Crimes Web Store exclusive, like sell out in the first half hour. So the first thing I do is I call merch table who runs my web store great company uh and i'm like oh shit add you know the 300 purple i'm like sorry europe exclusive you're going in my web store and we added those boom those are sold out right away i was like oh shit uh add the green ones sorry uh you know north american indie retail you're out boom and we allotted all those and i just sold them all direct from our merch table store and we did end up I had pressed a thousand on gold in that first press that those were supposed to be the records to like, give us some room to breathe after the record came out, you know, like all the little uh, two and 300 variants would sell out. And then we'd have these thousand gold that I could just, you know, then fill distros and stuff with those ended up being the retail exclusive, all of those and all of that shipped on the first day too. So we do the 14 day countdown on Instagram, release the record, sell out of all the record. Now, the very first Bandcamp day, uh, which now everybody knows Bandcamp days are first Fridays uh, throughout the pandemic where Bandcamp kicks back, doesn't take any of their fee. It's probably the most generous thing uh, done in in digital in like modern music, like the, whatever era of the industry we're in right now. No one's ever done anything so generous. Um, so that, in that, that day is actually getting a little crowded. I was just talking to a band about releasing something on a band camp Friday. And I was like, I don't know, like I could actually eat, eat the $300 we saved from band camp and not be on such a crowded day. But anyways, then Necrot puts up their 500 Necrot exclusive vinyl. Same thing. They, it's fucking gone right away. And they're like, can I get, can I get more records? So on day two, after the pre-order, I have to order a second press of the record. And now this is something that's not that, well, I guess it would matter to some listeners. I mean, this is more for labels, but a lot of bands putting out your own stuff. Man, you want to be friendly with your rep at the pressing plant, okay? Because you want them to be excited for your sales. You want them to jump on the ball when you need something like this done. All of a sudden, I'm saying, shit, I need another 2,500 records, you guys. And I kind of need them all to ship at the same date as the last 3,000 I just ordered. And so when you build a relationship with the pressing plant, just like anybody you work with, like, sure, they have monetary gain from my success. Like, there's, it's, there's money involved. The more records I sell, the more records I buy from them. But 
I've been working with the same pressing plant or the same um, like middleman, what's up Pirates Press for like 16 years. So they're really invested like quite literally in me um, to sell records. So having that relationship gets shit done fast. And if I didn't like have this in, uh, it things would have rolled out a little more sketchy as far as keeping um, not running out of the record, because this was another, this is something that'll happen to a, a, a label my size that has a, a, a really popular release and isn't prepared or doesn't have this is if what happens to me happens to another release, you sell out everything, including the stuff you thought you were going to ship out to stores and distros. If you sell it all pre-order, um, it's a goddamn shame if you have a hyped release and on the release date, no one has it because you already sold out mail order. And I never wanted to do it. I've seen it happen to great bands. Um, it's sometimes it's just beyond the reach of, of a indie label to get it done. So I knew I had to keep the, re- I knew the record wasn't going to, I wasn't going to have the biggest release ever and let it go out of print the first day. So we had to jump on all that. Um, the other thing I want to say about exclusives, uh, as far as like making a variant for a, another distro or another store or something like that is you lose a little bit of control in some of these situations. And, uh, I don't know if I give off this vibe, but I'm a fucking control freak when it comes to my label. Um, like I'm just hands on with every single detail and, um, one of the exclusives we did, like things didn't go the way I would have done them. Like no problems that would have that like the public would have seen. But I was out of my comfort zone with one of the exclusives because of that little bit of power I had to give to somebody else so they could sell my record. And for better or for worse, that's what it is. So I just I just wanted to plug that in there. Yeah. And so then, okay, so then we released the record and we see that it went number 30 on the top albums chart, which was insane. Well, there was 14 shit. Uh, oh, no, I can, I, while I talk, I can bring this up because we hit 14 charts, right? That first day, that was yeah. absolutely insane. So, oh, and here's another thing. The release date we chose, this is, this is some good game right here. Um the release date we chose was the Friday before record store day. And I'm going to real quick say why that's a good and or bad idea. Um, the reason you don't have to release a record on, it doesn't have to be an official record store day release to benefit from record store day because buyers at stores have their biggest budget of the year for record store day. So we when we chose the date, we just chose the day before record store day. But knowing that those are going to ship from the distributors with record store day stuff and stores are have their biggest spending budget for that. So two things that was good for us because I knew it was a hot record and I knew stores would be buying that weekend. So I knew they would pick up a few copies. But the downside to that, which didn't affect this release, but I had to weigh it was it's once again, I said it about Bandcamp day. It's very crowded that day. 
there's a lot of hot releases. Do you want to be competing for sales for a shelf space for hype with like, you know, a 10, seven inch Grateful Dead box set and, you know, Madonna's fucking butthole picture disc. And like, there's a lot of stuff that crowds that space. So selecting a release date, think about that. Well said. Um, so, so that okay, so was our release date. Yeah. Put me and back get, on track, Maddie. Okay. So we get the record out. Um, I had this really cool moment. I remember where uh, I went, I, I, this is just, this is like an, ins- an insane flex, but it makes me so happy to think about. I went to Rough Trade with my friend, Mark Urselli, who's like a Grammy winning producer. And he had just done that, uh, um, the, the Mark Bolin tribute album with like Kesha and Elton John. And he was an engineer on it. And we went to Rough Trade just to look at the records we worked on in the store. Um, and they and were all them. there in like, yeah. all the gloriousness. Yeah. yeah. And we were like, okay, this is pretty tight. Um, but uh, the point being, so, okay. So then something happens a week after, two or three weeks after, actually. Also, I got to say, since we're, since we're plugging Grammys, uh, Necrot, was, Necrot Mortal was engineered by Grammy-winning producer, Greg Wilkinson, Grammy Greg Brain Oil from Ear Hammer Studios, who won a Grammy with High on Fire the year before. He did. So, but the point being, we were it. So, what happened after the release that you're really proud of? Because there's something that happened after the release that's interesting and important that I want to point out. Um, hopefully, I have the right answer or I'll get in trouble off my podcast. I was just happy that we hit 14 Billboard charts, baby. Yes, but then after we stayed on the charts. Oh yeah, we stayed on the charts, and now this is this trick. is where this is where we give. Well, f- let me give the game on how the listeners' band can debut in the Billboard sales chart, the album sales chart. Now, to be very clear, when me and Maddie say we hit number thirty, there's the Billboard like the Hot 100 is. There's no metal on there unless Metallica's doing a record. That is strictly pop and rap music on yeah, like the like Billboard. The, the Hot 100, but that's singles. Yeah, that's singles. I just want to be clear that we're on the album sales chart. And this is the reason why a lot of metal bands have been on the Billboard charts in the last few years because our fans, bless them, still buy records even even people you know um and so that adds up because a lot of the competition all those all those songs on the hot 100 all those singles those are just like oh we're number one because we got 17 million streams you know so but like this week you could probably crack the billboard album sales 200 if you sold 500 records CD, LP, cassette, digital, all yeah. together. And, and, and the trick is to realize that it has to be in, like you can, you can do that because your pre-order sales count towards your week one sales. And that's why, and that's why a good pre-order campaign will, can help you get up to those, to those numbers and, and get on that. So that's why you see a lot of, of metal bands uh, hit that billboard chart and it's great. And I mean, look, that the music industry is in a total disarray. The idea that I can do a giant flex 
for, I mean, this record did really well, but I mean, if I, I would be flexing hard if my next release sells 500 copies and we hit number 199, I'm still going to flex super hard and I'm not necessarily going to be like, yeah, and that was 480 units, you know, it's like, just let the chart number speak for itself because the actual amount of sales is really down. And then this was uh, one of the, it wasn't an obstacle, but one of the things considering when I talked about choosing the release date and no, and choosing the record store day, I knew that that week was going to be, there's going to be some heavy hitters on there. You know, like if fucking Toto does an Africa picture disc limited to 5,000, they're going to sell all 5,000 and I got to go up against that. But if I'm not on record store day weekend, I'm not competing with that, which you had another super, another, your other super successful record of 2020 came out two weeks later into a much less crowded field, you know, exactly. but the, those were decisions that that label made versus a decision that my label made, you know, and, and it was beneficial for both of us. So Hitting billboard charts on week one is totally doable. And, um, and you should strive for that. But what we found out the second week after it came up was totally unexpected. We were still on the charts. We were still on like five or six of them. Um, the second week, then on the third week, we were still on some of them. And, Oh, I set that up wrong because I was going to say the fourth week, but we didn't. We were on the Billboard charts for three weeks. Still a um, big deal. And well, it's huge because I put so much energy into getting that first week sales that I didn't even consider that we would still be selling. Like after you sell fucking, you know, 4,000 records in pre-order, I didn't expect to keep selling hundreds and hundreds of copies in the seven days between Friday to Friday, the following week. And this is where it goes back to, you know, having a pressing plant that, that is rooting for you and will help you get your shit done because those are the sales that we would have missed if we didn't bust ass to get it back in print in time. Yeah. So goddamn thank I, man, if you have a Necrop mortal record in your collection, man, fucking hug and kiss yourself from me because that was great that's what got us through the damn pandemic you know it was yeah it was it was pretty crazy like there was a lot of there was a lot of craziness but i think i think that kind of sums it up there's a question i wanted to ask you that a lot of people come and ask me how do you register to be on to, to have your sales registered by billboard oh that's a good question because i have the worst answer I asked my uh, label rep at the distributor to do it for me. <laughs> so I mean, that is know. a Googleable thing. You register, it's Nielsen sound scan. It's the same yeah. like Nielsen ratings that you read about with the, like the TV. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to give a half answer, which is the shittiest answer, which is Google it, but I, you do it right through Nielsen sound scan, but I will add something that needs to be done you need to have a separate UPC for LP, CD, cassette, and digital. Yeah. When you register, people, I've seen screw up, people screw up. People fuck this one up. People fuck this one up. When you register with SoundScan, you need to make sure they're combining all 
the UPCs for all your releases or I mean, or you know what happens. They're not going to count them together and your sales are going to be fraction. So that is that is it. So that's a half answer. Unimportant answer nonetheless. Yeah. And then the the one the other biggest thing that we had was uh, the boys did, were featured a cover story in Decibel magazine, which was huge. It was the first it's the first for tank crimes. And um, that was huge. And uh, I don't know if there's a story there. I think I just wanted to pop that in because I would be I would be. Uh, remiss to not mention that because there's no way that that did not help the hype train and the sales. And, uh, I mean, decibel is, you know, the number one North American metal publication. So getting that cover baby, you know, that was huge for us. Absolutely. No, I, I yeah, I think that there's a level of visibility and like, I think it's important to realize that there's sort of this the strange subgenre of um, "quote unquote" decibel metal. You people know, are where... mad at decibel metal. I, when I'm on, to- I'll hear people like talk shit on like decibel metal bands, which, whatever, <laughs> you know, you talk shit about anything, you know. Yeah, but like de- decibel metal is basic. For those who don't know, is basically sort of like the sort of nerdy metal, he- like the sort of nerdy metalhead who is into like both Necrot and Paul Bearer. Yes, like I think that's pe- a good... Like, it's the same people going to those shows, right? The guy who goes to both of those shows is like the decibel metalhead. Some people are just Doom fans and aren't decibel metalheads. Some people are just death metal fans. They're not really like the decibel metalhead type either. The decibel metal mm-hmm. is like... I'm into Paul Bear. I'm in like anything that's sort of like in the sort of brainy underground, as it were. Yeah. Um, You know, but regardless, so... And I'll give one tip. This is a this is a, a sure. formula that I found out early. That I figured out. I I, I made this equation in like um, I don't know, like 2008, when two when municipal waste and fucked up both went from like underground DIY punk basement bands to like mainstream indie bands. Um, I started working on this formula, and it applies to all bands of all sizes. Every time you double your fan base, a full 100% increase, you go from 100 fans to 200 fans, you're going to lose like 10% off the back end. And there's nothing you can do about it. And you can't let it slow you down because there's just, every time you grow, there's going to be people that aren't interested in being a fan of a band that popular or a fan that like, you know, some like, oh, like normal people know about that band, like, there's just there's there's a whole list of reasons why that happens. It's going to happen no ma- matter what. Don't let it slow you down. Yeah, well said. Are there any final points you want to get into before we wrap up this episode of a noise direction? Uh, no, I think that's it. I I should do a, I should uh, I should take some notes before we <laughs> before we launch into our podcast, because I may think of something after we're done, but good thing we record Noise Direction once a week and publish every Monday, because if there's something that we missed, we can always throw it in there later. Yeah. And so next week, we're going to go into a interesting... uh, We're going to go into some interesting stuff 
with um there, there's a lot of topics coming up we wanted to get this okay. Necrot top 40 <laughs> record done uh because it had been in demand and something people, people had been asking about but now that we've got this expect this to become a little bit more of like a traditional like topic of the week type podcast yeah, anyway. because we did episode one. We explained our own, our friendship and our, our history together. Now, uh, episode two and three, we did our, um, the record we worked on together. You know, I, I think these were really good jumping points um, yeah, so for what we're doing on this podcast. But maybe everything's not going to be so personalized. Like, I don't need to tell a story about something I've done every single time. We're going to be able to grab different topics from from you know all over the place and uh maybe we'll get like an email address one of these days too but uh yeah, the best way like, to communicate with me is to drop a comment on something don't dm me maddie likes the dm for me i'll, I'll miss it i get too many put it in my comment and i replied i try to reply to every comment and they're easy to not miss yeah um and if you have ideas for podcast episodes throw them in the comments when either of us post about this you know because we'll we'll be looking we already have like some ideas but you come up with a good idea, we'll do a show. This has been Noise Direction. You have been listening. Hey, you. Do you have any plans this year? <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.